0: Hey, welcome to the 13th Warehouse, the Friday the 13th TV series edition. I'm Vicki.
1: And I'm Ken.
2: And this is Doug with the episode credits for Friday the 13th, the series, Season 1, Episodes 3 and 4. Friday the 13th was created by Frank Mancuso Jr. and Larry B. Williams. Cupid's Quiver, written by Stephen Katz. And directed by Adam Egoyan. A Cup of Time, written by Barbara Sachs. Directed by Harvey Frost, and the original air dates October 12th and 19th, 1987.
0: So we're back with the double header, Season 1, Episode 3, Cupid's Quiver, and Episode 4, A Cup of Time. Because we're doubling up on episodes, we won't be going scene by scene, as we did with the last few, but we're covering most of it, and you'll get the gist. Let's start with Cupid's Quiver. The cursed antique is the Cupid of Malek statue. Ah,
3: the Cupid of Malek. Yes, I remember picking that up in Cairo. That was commissioned by one Salamalek Malek in 1453 in Italy, in uh, Milan to be exact. It was said that Malek was so ugly that no woman could look at him without turning away. That got him pretty upset. So he uh, vowed vengeance on all those who denied him love. He had the Cupid cast in his own image.
0: This episode kind of reminds me of the warehouse episode Merge with Caution, where the artifact was Mata Harry's stockings. Do you remember that one? Oh, yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah, but her stockings were prettier
0: than- <laughs> Definitely. The stockings, they made men fall in love with the wearer and give away their money. Then they lose their sanity and resort to violence. The statue also makes the woman fall for whoever possesses the statue, but it eventually leads to murder. So, number one, I have a problem with the fact that this first guy, well, he spits in his hair, which is gross. <laughs> oh, God,
1: it was just creepy
0: all man, but go ahead. Oh, so, first he spits in his hair, but then he puts this statue that's like three feet tall on the bar, and nobody thinks it's weird, or nobody takes it.
1: Yeah, it came out of a bag, burlap.
0: Yeah, a huge bag. He just puts it on the bar and then he decides to open it and nobody thinks that's weird. And then he leaves it there and nobody takes it or anything, probably because it was so ugly. Yep. But so how do they all know how this thing works? Because later on, the frat guy who took it from this first crime scene, he had it in his room and he knew that it helped to meet women, but he didn't seem to know how. So how do they all know how it works? They don't explain this stuff. No, they didn't
1: explain a lot of stuff. The only thing I can think of is Cupid that brings people together. That's the only thing I got out of that part.
0: Yeah, they don't explain a lot of things at all. But it does seem as though the rule is that as soon as the woman tells the guy she loves him, that's when the guy has to kill her for some reason. Mm -hmm. So the team reads about a Cupid death and tracks the antique to a man who killed three women. So Mickey and Ryan trace the statue back to a college fraternity. Next we meet Eddie Monroe, who's basically a stalker even before he gets his hands on the statue. I wonder if this overacting and overdramatic stuff was like the norm.
1: I don't know. For certain things, yes. and certain things, no. I to look back on some of the other stuff that I watched that's in this era. Yeah. And it's not that bad. So, I don't know. Like I said, it could be the beginning of the series. I don't know. I'm hoping it gets better as we go along. (laughs) Because it's just like, I don't remember guys being that creepy. Right.
0: And I know he's supposed to be creepy because he's basically a stalker even before anything happens with the statue. He's already out of his mind. But I don't know. There's so much overacting in this, especially this episode, I feel like. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Everything is over dramatic. I don't know any other T V show I watched now that was in the eighties except for like Star Trek. I don't know if that was like the norm and I just didn't notice it back then. But I just feel like everybody's just over the top.
1: I'm gonna have to look on Pluto TV, see what I can find.
0: Yeah, so this Eddie Monroe is stalking. This woman named Lori, who once helped him with his homework, but he thought it was a date, which is classic stalker behavior. And her, I don't understand why she even puts up with him. She says, if I report you one more time, they're going to kick you out of school. So it sounds like she's reported him before. But, you know, she walks out of a building, and he grabs her arm and pulls her. Why are you not reporting this guy?
1: Well, you got to remember, too, back in the day, you know, still that male chauvinistic stuff, all that manpower crap. And, but she did report it, so why she didn't even scream... But then again, you know, it's just with this men's stuff, sometimes it's
0: the norm. Yeah, I think that's my problem. I'm watching something from 1987 with 2021 eyes, you know. Mm -hmm. You you see things so differently. Things that were the norm back then, and it's just weird to me. (laughs) So he steals the statue from one of the frat boys when he hears that it can somehow attract women. Jack has a plan, and he inserts himself into the frat party as the bartender with truth serum drinks. So he's hoping to get some information about who has the statue and where it is. And Mickey and Ryan search the party and all the frat rooms for the statue. But in the meantime, Eddie, who has the statue, goes to a bar, and I imagine he's going to just do a test run with the statue. And he gets the girl. She tells him she loves him. He squirts honey on her hands. (laughs) And then he fills his truck with bees to kill her.
1: <laughs> you know, honestly, I thought it was going to be a bear, a bear that was going to maul her.
0: You know, I didn't understand the honey at first. It didn't even occur to me. I was like, this guy's weird. Yeah, that would have been a good choice to a bear. But, I mean, you have to know that there's a bear there.
1: Well, that would have made just You know, the bees didn't sting him.
0: Right. But
1: well, wait a, a-, a minute. Did he
0: sting him? I don't think so. He got
1: something on his face, or did he have that mark on his face, on his cheek?
0: I forgot what that mark was from. I I did notice that mark, and I can't remember what it was from. I don't think it was from the bees. Yeah, that's the thing. He goes into the woods, and he just happens to find a beehive. Mm -hmm. Um, And he carries it over to the car, and none of the bees sting him. So, I don't know. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, my God. That's kind of the funniest way to kill somebody that I've ever seen.
1: And then they didn't even show her with all the bumps on her face.
0: Nope. Nope.
1: And nobody goes, oh my gosh. She got... And I'm going, wait a minute. Because normally that's what you would say. Yeah. She got stung so many times. Oh my God. She must have been allergic to bees or nothing.
0: Right. <laughs> so at the party, the truth serum works and they find out that Eddie has the statue. Jack finds the dead bee girl in the woods Like you said, he doesn't mention anything all over At all, because he first thought It was Lori, and then the frat guy Whose room the statue was stolen from Arrives there too They call the police, while Eddie finds Lori Sitting by a tree outside a party And apparently he sixs Cupid on her Although they don't show it to us Mickey, Really? Yeah. I No, they didn't show it to us They just showed <laughs> him being creepy And then the next thing you know, he's running with her And Mickey and Ryan say, oh, he's right there, and he's got Lori.
1: Oh. I was wondering about that, because it didn't show anything, because usually they show at least a laser pointer. They didn't show that, so I thought she was faking.
0: No, she was affected. They just didn't show it to us. I I don't know why. But Mickey and Ryan get Lori away from Eddie. Yeah, because she wasn't faking, because she wouldn't have called him if she was faking later.
1: Well, see, I thought they were setting him up. So I don't know. That's why I got confused because I'm like, oh, when she was dialing, I'm thinking in my head that she's trying to set him up on her own.
0: Oh, okay. I see what you're saying. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And it kind of would look like that later when Mickey shows up instead, but she shows up just because they overheard the phone call. Okay. I see what you're saying. Because even when they're trying to talk to her, she says, so what if he took a couple of pictures of me? You know, that wasn't the way she was reacting to things earlier when he was stalking her. So Ryan grabs the statue from Eddie, and Eddie gets away. Okay, now this was ridiculous too. Now how many times throughout this episode did Ryan and the cop and whoever say they removed evidence from a crime scene and that's a crime? How many times do we hear that? Right. Right. So this campus police comes and he confiscates the statue because it was removed from the original crime scene, and he even says that. But in the dumbest move I've ever seen, he gives the statue back to Eddie. Yep. The guy he found in the tree. He believed that story that he was taking pictures of birds.
1: I know. Really? I even said that when I'm going, Really, dude? <laughs> what tree is it? Um pointing at? And I'm going, now we know why he doesn't have a badge. Well now
0: we know why he's a campus cop instead of a real cop, right?
1: Well, yeah. Like, <laughs> oh god, he can't have a gun. <laughs> oh my goodness.
0: So anyway, they take Lori back to the antique shop, but she calls Eddie and sneaks out to go to his apartment. But she tells him she loves him before she hangs up the phone. So he's already in killer mode. But it's Mickey that shows up instead of Lori. But she does get affected by the Cupid, which was funny because I, they're setting him up. They overheard the phone call. So Mickey goes there and Ryan and let me in. Why couldn't he get in? I don't understand. Yeah, I don't know. Well, I don't understand what was happening. If they went there together to set him up, why wasn't Ryan inside? Yeah, I
1: don't understand
0: that either. That was weird. So she gets affected. But then when he's got Mickey and he's threatening to kill her and he's trying to get away from Ryan, he has this axe and he hits the pipe and burns his face with steam. Like really burns his face. Like you think he was going to die the way he burned his face. Mm
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But then he has no burns on his face.
1: Thank you. I said the same thing I'm going, why is he at the burn unit? And yeah. his face is so clear. Then the cleared his acne and all that kind of stuff up real nicely. <laughs> <laughs> and he's able to still run and the steam is up to his face. So his hands are not even scarred because immediately you go to your face. It's still the steam is still coming out. You're still screaming, but your hands are just nice and lovely. So is your skin.
0: True. That's true. I forgot about the hands. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just (laughs) like. Ryan goes after him, and Eddie falls from the rafters and dies. I assume he's dead. So his death breaks the spell that he had on both Mickey and Lori. Pretty much, Ryan did nothing to save Mickey. Nothing, because the guy burned his own face and let her go, and then the guy fell off the rafters by himself and died. So Ryan really did nothing. Yeah. Except chase him around. Mm
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So I did notice that Ryan had a lot of Pete qualities, Mm -hmm. like when he was reading the comics while Mickey was trying to read the article about the Cupid murder.
1: Oh, yeah.
0: And there was a few other jokey things, and I can't remember him now, that he said that sounded like things Pete would have said. Of course, he tries to pick up Laura at the end, in true Pete fashion.
1: Yep. Mm -hmm.
0: (laughs) Yeah. So what did you think of this one? I mean, it
1: was okay. It was just like, the storyline wasn't all there. I think it could have been better written.
0: I find there's a lot of plot holes in these, like mm-hmm. things aren't explained and we don't know why things are happening. Yeah, I found that too. This and the next one, a lot of plot holes. So do you have anything yeah. else on this one?
1: No, this one was a little easier to follow than the, the next one. Yeah. Zach really couldn't follow. like, huh?
0: <laughs> it was. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, so if you don't have anything else on that one, we'll move on to episode 4. Okay,
1: we'll move on to episode
0: 4. Okay. Priority 1 message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel.
2: Space, the final frontier, or is it? Discover the podcast of a couple of moms who love Star Trek and happen to have kids on the autism spectrum. Join Vicki and Elizabeth as we explore strange new worlds, talking about the new Star Trek Discovery series, autism, and whatever else comes to mind. We're Moms Going Boldly, and you can find us on Podbean, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and Player FM. Hey, Dud Gramley here from Yeah, That Can't Be Good. Please join Kim, Vicki, Skip, and myself over at Yeah, That Can't Be Good for an episode by episode podcast of All Things Eureka. You can listen at EurekaRewatch.com on Apple Podcasts, Podbean, or wherever you get your podcasts.
0: And we're back. So the title of this one is A Cup of Time. And by the way, I did come across another YouTube playlist of the series, mm-hmm. which I also have posted on all our webpages pages. So you guys can compare and choose which has the better audio or visual. Or if there are missing episodes on one list, maybe you'll find them on the other list. I'll post both links on every episode we do. In this one, the cursed antique is the Swapper's Ivy Teacup.
3: There it is. Ah, Swapper's Ivy. It doesn't exist anymore. At least I didn't think it did. Let me see. It was indigenous to Ireland, 13th, 14th century. It was an evil plant, or at least they thought it was. They thought they'd burned it all. If you had it, you could use it to trade for whatever you wanted.
0: So this one reminded me of the Warehouse episode, Age Before Beauty, where someone was stealing youth with the camera. Remember that one? Oh,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah.
0: I have to say, I liked this episode much better than the first one until we got to the middle when Lady Di got old again. Yeah. That was kind of a hilarious makeup job. Yeah. That was like... I don't know what that was. I did like this one better for a while, and then it just went downhill when she came out as old. So the story is that someone's killing homeless people in the park by offering them tea from a cup, that the vine decoration on the cup comes alive and strangles the people. We don't know why at first. We eventually find out that the culprit is a singer named Lady Di, and it's Lady D.I.E., and she's stealing the youth of her victims to keep herself young. And she's also kind of a bitch.
3: Mm-hmm. It's happened before. There's the legend of Archimedes, for example, wherein old age was exchanged for youth. Remember, we're dealing with Swapper's Ivy. Perhaps the Ivy acts as a conductor, you know, trading the victim's life force for the cup owner's age.
0: So, for you Star Trek fans, this actress, Hilary Shepard, played Laura, one of the genetically engineered humans that Dr. Bashir was trying to help in a couple episodes of Deep Space Nine. And the little girl was one of the children in Mrs. Doubtfire. Oh,
1: she looked familiar. So,
0: and I barely remember Mrs. Doubtfire, but she did look familiar. First, we meet a social worker named Bertie who seems to have a thing for Jack. And Ryan, for some reason, every time she's around, has to talk about old age. He thinks she can't hear. You know, he says something about Mickey, you're acting like a 60-year-old. He always seems to mention old age around this Birdie lady. Did you notice that?
1: I did. At one point when I thought it was her, I kind of knew it was Lady Di because of her height and the cloak. You right. know, you couldn't see her face, you hear her voice, and I'm going, okay. But then all of a sudden, I'm like, wait hey a minute, this is not Jill, Lady?
0: Yeah, they made us think it was Birdie.
1: So I said, that was the only thing that was a little interesting, and I got confused. But I'm going, about time, there's a little plot twist there for me. Yes, It just kind of threw me off. The only thing that upset me, too, was that none of these people turned old. You're taking my youth from me, but I'm still young? That don't make no sense.
0: Yeah, it just killed them. That was weird. You expected to see the vine wrap around their neck and make them old. Yes. Even if it killed them, you expected to see them old. Yes.
1: You're right, because the examiner should have been like, she's a girl 15 years old. her body is that uh, like like in the episode with the models they were old but they knew that they were young and everything turned old right and this should have been the same way when you take something from somebody you're taking it away so why wasn't it taken away all they did was lose their life they didn't use their um youth
0: no i see what you're saying and yeah that would have been better to see it (laughs) that way yeah so um birdie mentions the murders that are happening in the park And she also mentions a woman named Sarah who disappeared earlier in the year. Sarah, obviously, we find out, is Lady Di. But how is she such a popular singer if it's only been a couple months that she went missing?
1: But there are people missing before her.
0: They were talking about the people that were killed in the park. And she said there have been others that were killed in the park. And then uh, Mickey said... Oh, and what about that woman? And she goes, no, she wasn't killed. She's just missing. So it sounded like she's missing, so she turned into Lady Die. So I don't think she was killing people before she turned into Lady Die.
1: She could have been killing people before then.
0: I mean, then Bertie would have seen her young.
1: Right, but if she didn't kill enough people, remember, she also started to age, so she had to keep on killing.
0: Right, and so as soon as it wore off, you had to kill again. I think if she killed one person, she would have looked younger to Birdie. Birdie
1: could have caught her, like I'm saying, on her off day, that she didn't kill enough people yet.
0: Uh, It seemed like she only had to kill one. Well, yeah, I guess she has to keep killing to keep young, but she only has to kill one to be young for whatever amount of time. I I see what you're saying.
1: Because even at one point, we see her old in the park.
0: Right. But that's my point. I'm
1: thinking Birdie had bumped into her while she was old in the park before she killed the next person.
0: Well, Birdie was her social worker. So she was around her a lot Mm. when she was old. She was one of her clients. But the thing is, Birdie also said she was not even 70 years old yet. The Sarah person. So it seems like you use the cup, you become young but when it wears off you're even older because the woman that we saw running around the park looked like 150 oh yeah so it seems like every time you use the cup when it wears off you're even older yourself oh okay there's no other way to explain what she looked like when it wore off because that's not a 70 year old right in any stretch of the imagination So Mickey and Ryan offer to look into the homeless death, since Bertie says the police aren't doing much about him. When they go to the medical examiner's office, Ryan finds some leaves, which Jack identifies as swapper's ivy, and he says it was once considered an evil plant. They find that the ivy is on a teacup that was sold. So they go to visit Fat Eddie, (laughs) the guy who purchased the cup, but he's dead in his Murphy bed. (laughs) That
1: rhymes. (laughs) Then
0: this little homeless girl comes into the picture, and, you know, she asks for some tea in the park, and Lady Di gives her the bracelet to make her go away, but she sees Lady Di kill another homeless guy. Now, this girl really doesn't have much to do with anything. I mean, she does, but there's really no reason for her. Right. So, Bertie recognizes the bracelet on the little girl who comes up to them asking for food when they're at the crime scene. And she recognizes that it belonged to Sarah, her client that disappeared. And then they find out that Fat Eddie was Sarah's brother. So, it seems like Fat Eddie might have been her first kill um. to steal the cup. That's what it seems like. They never actually say that, but doesn't it seems that way. Because, mm. you know, it's not like he died and left her all his stuff. Nobody knows he was dead. He was in that bed. Right. So I imagine he was her first kill when she figured out what the cup could do. Mm. So the little girl tells them about the woman who gave the homeless guy something to drink, and then she runs away. Okay, so let's talk about I'm a Little Teapot. Okay.
1: What the? What kind of Seriously? Oh, was he singing that little song? But that
0: was Lady Di's big hit, I'm a Little Teapot. <laughs> I didn't even notice that. Yeah, they were playing it on the radio. And she's singing a rock and roll version of I'm a Little Teapot. And that's when Bertie is in the back seat of the car and, you know, Mickey says, Oh, you're smiling. And she said, Oh, that was Sarah's favorite song. How is that anybody's favorite song? They were listening to it in the car on the radio. <laughs> Whose favorite song is I'm a Little Teapot? What 70 year old's favorite song is I'm a Little Teapot?
1: Oh, sad. <laughs>
0: Oh, you got to listen to it on the radio. If you have a minute, go back and listen to that. Okay, I have this. Oh, my God. (laughs) So Mickey and Ryan pose as reporters to get to Lady Di, but she looks in a mirror and sees that her spell is wearing off. So she takes off. On the way out, the homeless girl steals the cup out of her bag. Why? Because she pretty much just puts it places and sings to it and sleeps with
1: it. Part of me wants to say, you know how you want something that you can't have? Yeah. So it's not like the little girl has not seen that cup before. She's seen the cup before. So she wants the cup now. She sees the cup again, she wants the cup. Because kids want something that somebody else has that you can't have. So I think that's part of what I want to say. And like you said, sometimes when they say like kids who have been without or homeless or, you know, orphaned, they steal. They steal because they think they're never going to have anything again. So my thing is, one, that she was told... She can't have this it, for grownups. Yeah, and it's like it is a pretty cup.
0: Yeah, I guess. You yeah. know,
1: and then some people they don't want anybody to steal this steal their belonging, so they sleep with it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I understood <laughs> that concept. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, that's good because I didn't. I didn't see any reason for this little girl at all,
1: yeah. except mm-hmm. that they
0: put her there to steal the cup.
1: Like I said, I've never really seen the show. Yeah. Part of me thinks that her and Birdie are going to have a reappearance. Oh, maybe. And I don't know. Because she's staying with Birdie?
0: They don't actually say. We know Birdie's a social worker, so we don't know if she's staying with her or if Birdie found her home. They don't ever tell us. But yeah, I didn't even think, think of that. she's
1: staying with Birdie.
0: That would be good if they were reoccurring characters, because they seem to know what's going on. So yeah. at least we have other people who seem to know what's going on. Yeah, because um,
1: they could use both of them.
0: Yeah. After Lady Di takes off, she runs into Birdie, who recognizes her. Ryan and Mickey find the little girl in the park and they take the girl back to the shop. Ryan pulls a Pete and Micah and puts the cup on the desk instead of locking it up. Oh, gosh. I knew you were cursing the TV.
1: All I kept on saying is, Really? Here I go again. I'm going, Really? Are you stupid? This is when I thought it was Birdie. Because the one that breaks in.
0: Me too. I thought that too. And then I had to think. I said, no, it can't be because she saw Sarah. But I forgot about that. And I was like, oh, my God, it's her all along.
1: Yes, and that's what threw me off. Then I'm like, okay, job well done, folks.
0: Right, right. And I had to think about it for a while. And I was like, it can't be because she saw Sarah in the street just a little while before that. But I forgot about that.
1: Yes, because she seemed desperate to get it. So why are you desperate to get it if you're
0: not using it? Right. Yeah. I think now that we know it's not her, I think that she heard about it and she was desperate because, you know, Jack didn't like her and Ryan kept making old cracks. I think she just felt old and thought she was going to be younger. But she breaks in and she steals the cup and then she flags down a cab wearing a stocking over her head.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Oh, my God. I was like, and the cab driver never said anything like, right. oh, what's going on? Once you got a stocking cap on your head, that means you stole
0: something. right? And when she flagged the cab down, she still had it over her face.
1: Yes, she did. <laughs> <laughs> so,
0: oh, my God. So now no one hears Bertie breaking the window on her way in to the shop, but they hear the bell on her way out. And why didn't the bell ring on her way in?
1: Thank you, because that bells to let you know somebody came and somebody
0: went. Right. So it let them know somebody went, but they seem to miss the whole breaking the window noise. Yep.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> so like I said earlier, when we were talking about Sarah, Birdie told them that Sarah was almost 70. And then we could see the aging thing is wearing off. And this thing that's running around the park looks about 150 and dead. Mm-hmm. But I missed it the first time through. But the second time I watched, I noticed Jack saying that she would age more rapidly between doses. So I didn't think they told us that. I thought we just, just had to guess that. They did actually tell us that, but I I missed it the first time. Birdie intends to use the cup to make her young, but decides against it and then calls Ryan to come and get her and the cup. But when they get to the park, Birdie's gone. Lady Die catches her and smashes her in the head with a rock. Police come and arrest Mickey and Ryan, and they send Birdie to the hospital. <laughs> And then Jack tricks Lady Di into giving him the cup by posing as a homeless person because he just happens to have a wig in his pocket when he goes to the park. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that would be more convincing if he was like already and carried a bag of things around.
1: Right, yeah.
0: But he doesn't. He just happened to have a wig in his pocket. Oh, let me take this wig with me. This part was weird, too. Mickey and Ryan, who were just arrested earlier, show up at Lady Di's trailer with Bertie, who's already recovered nicely.
3: Yeah,
1: nothing on her head, but there's nothing. She smashed her in the head with a rock.
0: They took her away in an ambulance.
1: Yes, they did.
0: And so, how did Mickey and Ryan get out? Because she recovered so nicely and told him it wasn't them? Yeah,
1: mm-hmm. that's the only thing I got from it. She got out. She said they didn't do it, because they even said. She'll let us know when she comes to, or or one of them said something about when she comes to, she'll let us know. I was just like, wow, (laughs) how are the leaves?
0: (laughs) Mickey and Ryan and Birdie don't know that Jack finally got the cup, so they went to the trailer looking for the cup, but Lady Di comes out looking more like a corpse than earlier and falls out of her trailer dead.
1: That pissed me off, too, because she should have been dust. When she fell, she should have just did it, poof.
0: All true. that should have just been dust. Yeah, true. Like I said, I, I like this one more until we got into the aging lady die, and it kind of got ridiculous. Yeah. So Birdie comes to take Kristen to wherever she's going. Like we said before, we don't know if she's staying with her or if she found her a home. And that was kind of it. So what did you think of this one?
1: I like this one a little bit better because of the twist. Yeah. Because I honestly thought it was Birdie. Yeah. So when you can throw me off like that, then I got to say, job well done.
0: Yeah. No, I agree. The,
1: the makeup on the agent, now nah, that was crap. And I wish they would have gave more of a storyline, more than what they did of the cup. Yeah. There's something missing. It just seemed like each one, there's something missing.
0: Yeah, because like Warehouse, you got a whole history of how it came to be an artifact.
1: Mm-hmm, or how it got to be, besides just in their hands stuff that goes along the way
0: right so we knew that uncle lewis sold this cup to fat eddie then we find out fat eddie's dead but he's also sarah's brother so we have to assume because they don't tell us that right. sarah killed eddie for the cup
1: from there on like you said how do we know she knew and when did it first happen like basically like a warehouse, you know when it first happened right You know, when they first realize, oh, this is what it does. Right. So, and that's the ticket.
0: Just to avoid confusion, we're jumping back to Cupid's Quiver. The weirdo is Eddie Monroe, and the girl that he was in love with was Lori.
1: found out afterwards because he overheard it but it's like okay you you know what's gonna come up next you gotta kill her so it was like you kind of knew that but then again you're gonna go ahead and try to get her to love you and then you're gonna kill her you're gonna kill the one that you love and this one she was obsessed with there's something missing
0: yeah there's not a lot of backstory to anything the artifacts in warehouse became artifacts because of some kind of circumstance that they were imbued with whatever powers. These are just cursed by the devil. So I'm not sure we're ever going to get any backstory to them.
1: But they still should have a backstory to it. And I just don't become cursed at that one particular point.
0: Yeah, he made a deal with the devil. So the artifacts, are the antiques are cursed. But we kind of did in this one, but we don't ever really get a story about why the curse works the way it does on each antique.
1: All right. So he had a normal antique store. Right. And then he made a pact with the devil. And that's when all his objects in the store became cursed and got sold off. And we don't know what they do until it happens.
0: That's what it seems like. Oh, okay. So I don't think we're ever going to get really good backstories. We're going to get a little bit of a backstory. Like Jack tells them a story about Cupid. He tells them a story about the guy who made the statue that he was so ugly that that women didn't want him, so he made the statue to exact revenge on all these women. Right. So he kind of explained in that how the Cupid is cursed. But I don't think we're ever going to get like the detailed backstories like we did in Warehouse which is unfortunate because it makes it more interesting, I think. Yeah, it does. There's always a little bit of a story, but it's not like Warehouse. You, You don't get all this backstory, and a lot of it was based on real people. Right. And I think it made it more interesting to have a good backstory. Yeah. I agree. That's all I got on that one. So I don't really have anything else either, so we'll be back shortly. We're moving on to the second disc in the DVD
2: set. All
1: right, we'll see you then.
2: See you then. This is Doug reminding you to follow us on Facebook at facebook.com backslash 13th Warehouse, on Twitter at Eureka Warehouse, and on Instagram at Eureka underscore Warehouse. You can listen to The 13th Warehouse on our website, the13thwarehouse.com, on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Theme music for The 13th Warehouse, Friday the 13th, the series edition, Suspense Night, provided by Anton Kornienko, Pixabay user 147-98912, free for personal or commercial use. See you next time at the warehouse.